Hello, and welcome to the MR Running Pains podcast, episode number 86 with Miriam Saloom. She is my resident physical therapist, my personal physical therapist, and all-around great person. Um, today, Miriam and I are going to talk about mobility. Um, what does mobility mean? What does it mean to runners? Uh, what happens if we lack it? What happens if we're too mobile? How can we gain more? It's a great conversation. I always learn so much from Miriam. I uh, really thank her for her time and sharing her knowledge with us. Um, always enjoy these episodes. Uh, stay tuned at the end of the podcast. I'll hop back on and talk to you about a few things uh, that are going on uh, in the world of MR running pains. I just raced and, uh, you know, newsletter just came out. So got a bunch of things to go over at the end of the, the podcast. But first, here's my interview with Miriam Saloom on mobility. I welcome back to the podcast, Miss Miriam Saloom. How are you today, ma'am? I'm good. I'm good, Aaron. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Uh, we are recording on Friday, October 1st, just so everybody knows if we say anything and it's outdated. <laughs> um, <laughs> always like the 1976. Guy. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Back when I was born, back in the 1900s. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, we've, I've had so many compliments, Miriam, uh, from, uh, from listeners um, about your podcast specifically because you share so much knowledge. So um, thank you once again for, for coming back on. Um, and, you know, for those that are unfamiliar with you, would you just take a moment to introduce yourself and what you do? Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Um, my name is Miriam Salome. I'm a physical therapist. I own the clinic, the Runner's Mechanic Physical Therapy Clinic. Um, I work with all uh, kinds of orthopedic clients, but I also have a specialized program for runners um, where we identify anything that causes inefficiencies or injuries for uh, any level of runner. So um, I'm just here to patch people up and get them back out there and, and hopefully um, uh, have them running pretty healthy without having a lot of need to come back. So <laughs> yeah, that's um and uh, yeah, thanks for having me on again. I, I love doing these podcasts. So, you know, thank you for the, the opportunity. Oh, for sure. Um, today's topic that we are decided to talk on is mobility. Um, why don't we just start with a basic definition of what we're talking about when we say mobility? What, how would you define that? Yeah, mobility is looking at a given segment in the body and how well does it move? Um, every sport, I think, has a different requirement for mobility. Uh, obviously, today we're specifically talking about running. Um, and there are some definite requirements within our system that need certain amount of mobility. Um, sometimes the mobility that we use in our work life, in our daily life, doesn't exactly jive with the mobility that we need in our running life. Um, so sometimes we have to do something outside uh, in an extra program or outside of our running to help us uh, restore that, that mobility that we need. Right. So, I mean, for instance, we kind of hear about how um, detrimental um, sitting can be to, uh, to runners. Um, does, you know, can we use that as an example? How would sitting for too, too often or for too long, too often, how would that affect a runner's mobility? Yeah, I love that you, you brought that up because that is probably one of the biggest pitfalls, I think, in people's lives. And sometimes people can't help it. It really isn't a requirement of either their work, um, sometimes sitting at a desk or travel. 
Uh, I think there was an article in the New York Times, I'd have to double check that, but it was, it was basically phrasing that uh, sitting is the new smoking uh, <laughs> and talking about physiologically what happens to us with prolonged sitting. Um, but specifically with runners, um, when we sit, obviously our hips are flexed and a lot of times our trunk is kind of flexed forward also. Um, there's a deep hip flexor, which a lot of runners are very familiar with called the psoas that it actually attaches on all to the, uh, all the lumbar vertebrae and splay forward onto the hips. Um, in addition to hip flexors that actually start in our pelvis too. So um, obviously when you look at the position of sitting and you look at what we look like when we run, they're completely opposite. Um, but sometimes prolonged sitting, prolonged driving, um, sometimes surgery in the abdominal area, um, anything around that area that tends to shorten all those front hip flexors um, really limits our ability to extend the leg behind us. Um, so specifically with runners, um, this will either, yeah, sometimes I'll have people come in and, and they'll say, you know, I don't know what's going on. And, and sometimes they don't even actually have an injury. They just say, I'm noticing I'm getting slower. Um, and it's not really jiving with their training or their health. Um, and they feel like something's really, you know, holding them back. And a lot of times we'll do some testing um, and their hip flexors have become excessively restricted. And so they really just can't get into the back part of their glutes. And for us, that translates into push off. Um, so yeah, sitting is a big one. Um, and then also a lot of my cyclists um, or people training for um, triathlons when there's the bike sometimes will also do similar um, hip flexor issues. Um, and so I, I, I give the same recommendations. It's not a problem. They have to do those kinds of positions, but you have to do a little bit of extra work on the back end to get those hips moving again. Yeah, so that, that's a great example. Right on. Well, thank you. Um, so obviously, you know, mobility to a runner can be super important. Um, uh, what happens, like, what typically do you see when a runner isn't mobile enough? Let's say that, you know, they have that lack of, um, um, extension in the hip, um, uh, because mm -hmm. that, you know, the psoas is getting shortened as, as we sit, uh, what can manifest? What are we looking at? Yeah, um, I, yeah, I'll break it down to two kinds of scenarios. Um, one is injuries and the other one is performance. Um, so, you know, kind of as I mentioned earlier, um, sometimes I'll have people come in that really feel like the performance is, is suffering. They're getting slower. They can't keep up on the, um, on the flatter courses. And they really, really feel like they're slowing down on the downhill courses. Um, and then again, it's, it's not jiving with their training They're you know, they're doing their training and their strength training and they have a coach and they're eating well. Um, and so physically they feel, they feel very well. Um, but they feel like their times are just getting slower and slower. Um, a lot of times with those clients, I do feel like there, they, there's something going on in their system where they're, again, the hip flexors are tight, um, ankle mobility, but they're just not getting the glute activation, which, um, especially on flat. So obviously if you're going uphill, uh, the hips are more of a flex position. So we don't really notice those hip flexor restrictions when we're going uphill as much because we're in a more flex position, but going downhill and on flats is where we really start to open up those hips. Um, and that's where they really start to notice some of their performance um, dings with those. So that's one example. Um, but injury wise um, with hip flexor um, issues, a lot of times I'll see people with stress, uh, bony stress injuries. Uh, so that's things like stress reactions, shin splints, um, stress fractures. 
because a lot of their gait is now limited to pretty much landing in front of themselves because they're not able to really open up behind themselves very well. So it's just excessive force in, in front of them um, when they're running. So I will see a lot of stress injuries with that. Um, I see a lot of hamstring injuries um, just because um, for the most part, they can't activate their, their glute or their hamstrings very well uh, because of the limited hip motion. Um, so we'll see um, some hamstring, chronic hamstring injuries. Um, but those are the, the, the two main ones are some of the tendon issues, um, hamstring and some Achilles, and then the bony stress injuries I definitely see. Okay. Um, how can we recognize that lack of mobility prior to any of that, like prior to slowing down or prior to injury? Like how can we, you know, ourselves see that or recognize it? Yeah, you know, um, and it'd be great. I know you do videos for your clients and we can do a little like self-check video. Um, I, I, again, always go back to Jay Desherry's work and his book because he does have some self-check things, which are nice. Because how, how do you know that you're, you're restricted with, with some of your, um, your joint mobility? Um, so one thing I like to check with that is, um, so if you're looking at your ankles, um, I like to see if somebody's able to put their foot in front of a wall um, and keeping their heel completely flat on the floor, if they're able to bend their knee towards the wall and touch the knee to the wall without letting their foot come off the floor. Um, and again, we can we can do a video segment of these. That's that's really easy. But that's a nice way to say, you know, hey, do I have enough ankle mobility? Because sometimes after you know severe ankle sprains, surgeries, um, there's some couple a couple of different incidents where you can really start to lose your ankle mobility and not really realize it um, until you either starts having a problem during the actual running motion or you do that kind of test on yourself. So I like to see ankles that way. Um, I like to see good big toe motion. All right. So if you're able to put your foot, um, slide your big toe down the wall. Um, so your foot becomes flat and the big toe is flexed up towards the wall. And I would say greater than 30 degrees. Um, that's a good indication that you have good toe motion. Um, try it on both sides. If you feel like one side is super restricted compared to the other, that might be really something to look at. Um, and again, you can just jot this down and take this to your health professional. You don't have to take it all on yourself, but, um, but just noticing also if one big toe is an issue is, is really a big deal with running for a couple different reasons. Um, hamstrings. So you can, you know, take a look at your hamstrings. If you basically lie on the floor in a, in a door, in a door frame, one leg's lying flat and the other leg is up on the door frame and looking at the angle of your, of your knee. So when you start to feel a light stretch in the hamstring, is your knee, how far is your knee away from the wall as far as its, its flexion angle um, and comparing that side to side. Um, we wanna see, you know, ideally if someone has maybe 30 degrees of bend in their knee, that's, they're probably in a, in a good place, but if they, they really can't um, straighten their knee past that 90 degree mark, um, that's, that's definitely an issue. And sometimes we see that um, with hamstrings. You don't have to have a ton of hamstring length with running but there definitely are some things that we see when they're really restricted that can be a problem, um, especially um, faster running or sprinting. And then hip flexors. Um, again, this is great for, to look at in a video or in Jay's book, but if you're able to go into what a half kneeling position, so basically the position, the position where someone's proposing where one foot's in front and you're kneeling down on a knee, um, if you're able to line that back leg and your back up to a door frame without any space, um, that is another nice way to kind of look at, you know, do I have hip extension um, and, or enough to eat with my knee flex to, to really meet some of that um, running requirements. 
So that's another nice way is again, getting into that proposal position or half kneeling position, and then seeing if that back thigh and your body can all line up together without your body having to lean forward for that position. So, um, but again, we can just put a little video attachment to that, but that's a really nice one. Um, and lastly, a really big part of um, mobility is the thoracic spine. So if there's, there are two main segments that I would say are the, um, the biggest one with runners that um, I think our daily life really interrupts is the hip flexors and then thoracic, not only extensions, so the ability to straighten up between the shoulder blades, but also to rotate. Um, so that's another big one. Fantastic. I'm so glad you mentioned that last one. That was going to be one of my questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, and you've, you've answered the question, what areas of the body should we focus our attention on mobility? So um, I guess the next question would be, can we be too mobile? Yeah, so um, that's another great question because we, we do have obviously a big part of our, our self as a runner, as an athlete is genetics. So we're all born with, with a different kind of elasticity to our soft tissues. Um, and that's basically the, the stiffness of our collagen. Um, a lot of athletes, especially really good athletes, um, have tighter collagen um, So because they're a tighter spring. And so I would say for a lot of those athletes, we tend to have to work on just a little bit of mobility so they don't fall on the other side of being too, too restrictive. Um, but then we also have, um, again, on the other side of that is really highly mobile collagen. So people that are born with a lot of joint mobility and a lot of stretch to their soft tissues. Um, so these are people, um, we have something what's called the Byton scale, and it allows us to, to look at ourselves or look at our clients and say, you know, are you genetically really hypermobile? Um, and again, that's not a problem. It's just how you're born. Um, but it's good to know those things because if you're somebody that's super mobile, um, is you kind of have to do the opposite. Those people do very well with um, strength training to stiffen their system. Um, so strengthening within a shortened range really helps those runners um, have, have better control of their system. Um, a, a little self-check you can do on yourself um, to see if you are, you know, have a lot of mobility. These are people that are usually always able to keep their feet flat on the floor, their knees straight and bend forward and touch their palms to the floor easily. Um, they're able to take their thumb without any kind of resistance or pain and gently bend it backwards to touch the back of their, their wrists. Um, and when they extend their elbows, they have a, a, a bend to their elbows backwards. Um, so these are just a couple you know, tests or things that we'll see on the Byton scale. Um, but people that are highly mobile like that, the, the biggest recommendations I give them is uh, strength training is their friend. So training again in a shortened range with some, some weight to stiffen their system and don't go too crazy with the stretching during yoga. Um, that's the other thing because with people that have that kind of excessive mobility, um, and they're really pushing into ranges with yoga, it really can cause, um, it can cause some joint injuries, which I see sometimes because they can just kind of just go way beyond that joint range. Um, so those are the two biggest recommendations for people that feel like they have a lot of mobility and they need to be stiffer. And can you go back and just kind of define collagen? Uh, it's a term that we're hearing a lot in this day and age. Um, and, and some people may not know exactly what that is. Can you talk that a little bit about collagen? Yeah, it, it's basically just our soft tissue matrix. Um, so the, the fabric of our soft tissues. So fascia is made of collagen. Um, muscles have collagen within them. Um, there's different types of collagen. Um, but if for all intents and purposes, you can think of it almost like, um, like a weave 
or like a um, saran wrap, something like that. And so some people have a lot of mobility where they can stretch a lot. And some people don't genetically don't have a lot of mobility to that. It's a, it's a stiffer. Um, it's not an active um, material like uh, muscle fibers. Um, so that's it. Muscles are different, but muscles are have collagen within them. And then as we go into our tendons and uh, the tendons are basically a spindle down of the muscle fibers. Our, our muscles are the, um, the tensioners and our tendons are the springs. Um, so that's really where our, our muscle and tendon complex is how they function in our running. So we need strong muscles to allow for strong springs. Right on. And um, you started, you, you've defined if we're too um, mobile, how we can, um, you know, kind of rein that in. But if, if we're not mobile enough, you started, like I said, you started to talk about this, but uh, what are some things we can do to start increasing mobility? Um, you know, like, let's start with uh, the ankles, because the ankles are a big one, uh, especially for trail runners, you know, we, we roll our ankles all the time and start losing that mobility in our ankles. So what are some things that we can do? Yeah, um, so I, there's two main things I like for each muscle group. I like an active way of restoring motion. And then if two people are fine, they do have some tight spots, I, a static position, and you want to do these at two different times. Um, so for the ankles, a really nice active way of restoring motion. And there's good research that actually strength training is one of the best ways to keep good joint mobility because you're actively using the muscle tendon units around that joint to move it. Um, so a lot of people are very familiar with uh, eccentric Achilles stretching or eccentric Achilles work. Um, so if you find like a step or sometimes I'll tell people if they're, you know, they're on a trail, you can find like a root or something where you can put the ball of your foot either on that step or that root and let your heels gently lower, but you're using your muscles to slowly lower that heel. So I have them start where they're perched on the balls of their feet, their heels are at a higher spot, and then they very gently for a count of three to five control lowering their heels down and then coming back up onto their toes. Um, so I like eccentric work for actively restoring that kind of um, that kind of uh, motion to the ankles. Um, goblet squats are another really great way, keeping the heel flat on the floor and controlling a squat with some resistance. Um, so those are those are great ways to restore ankle motion um, actively. Uh, if someone has had some dings to their system, say you know an ankle sprain where their ankle's really kind of blown up and they recovered, but they still feel that ankle is stiff. Um, I'll, static stretching is 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 good to do, but you don't want to do that before you run. So I usually tell people the static stuff, the, the long holds to do that either after your run or at the end of the day. Um, and we're looking at about a three minute hold in a, in a stretch position to change the length of those tissues. Um, so static stretching, again, is great to do either after your run or at the end of the day, but not before your run. So the active stuffs I like before your run or in the morning before your, your run. So if you're gonna do like your squats, you do um, eccentric heel raises, those are a great time to do that. The more dynamic, dynamic. The stretch. more dynamic, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right on. Um, do you remember, you, <laughs> do you recommend yoga um, for people with lack of mobility? Um, and is there a specific type or is there a limitation as to how much people should do? What's your, what's your opinion there? Yeah, you 
know, I like yoga a lot for runners for, it's kind of interesting, not, not necessarily for the mobility aspect of it. It's a great plus. Um, but I think, uh, and I don't, you know, I am not a yoga expert whatsoever, but there's a lot of good research about yoga with breathing, um, stress relief. It's a time to quiet your mind. Um, so I, I like yoga. If someone enjoys doing yoga and they're like, you know, or they want to do yoga, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, and I think it does help, especially when people are stiff. I tell them not to stretch too intensely. Um, a lot of us runners, we're intense people and we like to do things the best and hardest that we can. And, you know, so I do, you know, as I, I, I do try to give recommendations about when you start to, you know, breathe into a stretch, um, what, what kind of range is healthy. Um, so I usually tell them zero being no stretch, you know, and five being the very hardest stretch that you can really, you know, just, just find that happy two out of that, out of that spectrum, um, to hold your positions. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a safe range because it, it can happen. I have seen it happen when people have, you know, strained a muscle inadvertently by, by stretching or doing something too hard. So, um, I usually just try to, to, especially my hyper mobile people, I'm like, you might not even feel a stretch. It might, it'd be better for you to back off a little bit, especially when they've had some issues with like joints would pop out on the joint and things like that. Um, so, um, but I do, I do really like that for runners. If that's something that they, um, they enjoy and they want to do that because I think it's good for anxiety and, and, um, just some, some centeredness to their emotional state and, and sleep and, and those kinds of things that I think are on the other side of running. And I do get a lot of good feedback and there's a little research about hot yoga. Um, and I think obviously it's because the, the temperature already starts off in improving the viscosity of our soft tissues, the, the fluid within our soft tissues. Um, and so a lot of a lot of runners like hot yoga, which is great. Um, so, uh, yeah. Cool. Thank you. Um, where, uh, since we've talked about static and dynamic stretching, where on the spectrum and what is your opinion of the active isolated stretching when we use like a rope or, uh, you know, a towel or something um, to help us um, stretch? Yeah. And so is, would you, are you talking about some contract relax where you do right. the pushing and the pulling? Yeah. 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 Um, and that's, so there are, there's all these, all these kinds of different stretches, uh, different kinds of stretching. Um, uh, I like eccentric work. Yeah. The, the active where you do have the, the, um, the little bit of push into resistance before you go into the stretch that does have some, some good research behind it. I, I don't have a lot of people that, that come to me that know how to do that or have done that before. Um, so I try to, I try to show them kind of that was usually like the easiest. Um, so like control dynamic stretching um, is usually kind of the easiest place to start, but that's a great place to contract, relax is a great place to do that. A lot of times in, in some of the warmups, you'll see um, the, the action of the stretch will shorten the muscle and then elongate it. And that's, those kinds of moves are really like, as you like, if you go from a split lunge to a high knee and back into a split lunge. So that's one way that you activate the hip flexor and then activate the glute. And so you're kind of getting that reciprocal inhibition a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a great way. If that's, you know, if there's a program that someone likes, that's a, that's a really nice, you know, kind of stretch too. I just tell people keep everything submaximal. So don't push as hard as you can. It's supposed to be a submaximal push and then don't, you know, uh, I'll stretch obviously as much as you can. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, for, for those that don't know active isolated stretching, I'll try to put something in the show notes. Um, I was taught by the Whartons. Um, they came to a camp I was doing a long time ago and showed us active isolated stretching. And, and it has 
Um, so, you know, it, it can work on flexibility and mobility if, if done correctly, but like, you know, check the resources. They have a book and videos and all sorts of stuff. So I will add that to the show notes. Um, so, I yeah, you definitely want some instruction with that because it's, it's, um, it's not as easy as, yeah, I mean, no. as, as yeah. rooms. Yeah. yeah, you've yeah. got to flex the, the opposite muscle that you're, you know, stretching the opposite side. So, uh, you know, for instance, you flex the quad and stretch the hamstring. So it's, it's kind of a, <laughs> it's, it's a tough process and it takes some time, but, um, yeah. So uh, thank you. Um, and the other thing, um, mobilization bands, um, you know, what's, what are we looking at with mobilization bands? What are we in effect trying to do and are they effectual? Yeah, so those mobility bands, I, I, I think they started there. They're really pull up assist bands. Um, so when I, um, they're, if, if everyone's ever needed assistance with a pull up, there are different kinds of thicknesses of bands that you can buy. And so the thicker the band, obviously the more, the, the better help it can give you with, with pull ups, which I cannot do a, a pull up by myself. I, I definitely need a band. <laughs> um, so that's kind of, so that they have different, when you look at them, they have different um, weights associated with them. And that's what that is. So the thinner the band, the less weight is associated with it. So that it only assists with a little bit of a pull up. Whereas if you get a really thick, 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 heavy band, um, it has, you know, it might be like a hundred plus pounds that it's assisting with. Um, but we have started to use some techniques where you can use these, these pull-up assist bands as mobility bands. Um, and so I usually tell people the ones that we use for that are usually the medium weight ones um, because they give enough resistance to help us stretch, but they, they're not too pliable where we're basically um, just, just you know, stretching it out. Um, so these are usually the medium weight ones, maybe 80 pounds, something like that. Um, there's a couple of different options on Amazon, but um, these are nice for, and I use these for clients that have, I, that have a, resi a resisted um, or restricted uh, joint, particularly for one different reason or the other. So again, the example with the sprained ankle, it just gets a little bit, it's like, a, I always tell people it's like a tiny therapist that they can have at home. So I teach them how to basically to plant their, their ankle, um, put the band around the ankle joint and then go into a stretch. And then the extra resistance of the band also helps with that stretch. Um, and it, it kind of, I feel like it kind of better um, enhances that joint glide during the stretch. I also have people that um, have hip issues. Um, sometimes genetically we have a different um, formation of, of one hip versus the other. And sometimes with runners, I'll find that one hip is, is really a lot more restricted or they have some arthritic issues that are starting to, to limit the mobility of the hip. Um, I like using mobility bands for the, um, the hip movements that I show them is particularly with extension. Um, so I think it's a great adjunct, um, for people that have a joint that is having some issues as far as it feels more restricted, um, than the other one. So, uh, I think they're, I think they're great. Um, it, this isn't something that I would, you know, I would expect you to know, but if you do, it'd be you know interesting to, to know. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, we've got, um, we, we often talk about footwear, but, we've got a lot of, of footwear that is moving more towards that true rocker bottom. You know, we've got all these super shoes that are very inflexible, but you've got this rocker bottom. Um, you know, does that um, enhance our, our mobility or limit our mobility? Is there, do you, do you see any problems that could arise by, you know, people using these if they don't have enough mobility or, you know, vice versa? 
Yeah. And, you know, I put this in a very general statement, um, but there definitely is a trend of people that have Achilles issues with that rocker bottom. Sometimes I think kind of um, preloading that Achilles and, and kind of flaring it up a little bit. Um, and so and it also depends how people, how, especially when they run, how people load, because not everyone loads the same way. I mean, some people are rear foot strikers, some people are forefoot strikers. So it depends on how they how they load. But I do find in some clients that have Achilles issues or really tight calves, they, they sometimes get irritated with the rocker bottom part of that. Um, for people that have midfoot problems, they usually like the rocker bottom because it, 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 it transfers weight quickly um, across those joints. Um, so they tend to like the rocker bottoms, but I would say with uh, some of my Achilles people, they, they tend to get flared up with some of the rocker bottom um, shoes because I think, the, especially if they're rear, rear foot um, loader or, or, or striker, they tend to, I think, preload a little bit of that Achilles. Um, and also just for general standing, because they'll tend to rock back onto their heels sometimes. And that will also create tension, especially if it's like an insertional Achilles issue um, that can also kind of irritate them. So I do see that um, anecdotally in the clinic. Thank you. Um, I think the only the other thing that, that just came to mind as you were talking about the, uh, the mobility and, and the flexibility and how the muscles move is um, it flossing, like flossing a muscle. So mm -hmm. in other words, where you take like a TheraBand, wrap it tight around the, the muscle, let's say it's the calf, and then try to stretch the calf. Um, is that effectual? Is that something that they're finding has benefit? Um, and, and you can even probably describe it better than, than what I just did, <laughs> but, um, just to give everybody an idea, um, would you talk about that for a moment? Yeah, sure. Um, so those floss bands, and I think, um, in some communities, we call them voodoo bands. Um, we see it in some CrossFit, um, you know, I, I, when they, when a lot of that came out, I put a lot of, of hope. I mean, I got some and I had, I was, I was basically doing it all the time just because I, I was like, this would be interesting. It would help people. I'd loan them out to people. Like, give, let me know what you think. And um, they're very good in treatment. So when I use them in treatment for things like um, shoulder mobility, or I'm trying to establish better um, uh, elbow mobility and things like that. They're great for treatment. I, I've not found them as successful for helping people with um, like tight hip flexors or calves or adductors when I show them like mobility moves with them. Um, I, I, I wish it was a lot better, but I, I just hadn't seen it being like this huge difference with people. Um, so I find them very helpful in, in therapy sometimes when I'm treating painful tendons by um, using that with um, different therapy motions, having them go through the motion and then taking them off. But show, upper body actually tends to do a little bit better with them um, than, than the lower body. So that's just kind of what I've, I've found with them. Um, I still, there is, there is one technique in, in Jay's book that running rewired. And I, I do with people with telephone pain, I do show them how to do that warm up sometimes that they seem to really kind of fit into that category. Um, but yeah, so I find it a lot, a lot more helpful with the upper body, just anecdotally than the, than the lower body. Okay. Um, and anything that you do find helpful for the lower body, any type of therapy that we haven't discussed, um, you know, that, helps the fascia move or the muscle fibers, uh, you know, kind of realign anything, scraping, you know, cupping, any of that stuff, has that been beneficial or shown beneficial? Yeah. Um, so kind of the tried and true, um, compression stocks tend to help with recovery. Um, so that's definitely one thing. Um, there was an article that was written that, um, I thought was super interesting. It was about Achilles, um, Achilles tendinopathy and some, some properties of Achilles, but it was actually, uh, using vibration therapy. 
Uh, and I'll tell you what I love myself is that um, that vibration foam roller. Um, who makes that the little orange one? The trigger point. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I like to teach people how to do trigger point release using that where basically they're they're holding some pressure or they're holding some, um, a, a part of their body with, over that foam roller for about 90 to 120 seconds. Um, and the vibration aspect does seem to have some research with it. So I really like that roller. I know a lot of people have guns um, and that's great too. I find that I find sometimes those are kind of hard to position on certain places because you have to hold it and kind of get a certain angle. So I tend to like the roller better, but those are, those are just as well. Um, but yeah, I, I do show people how to do trigger point release because um, if anyone, everyone asks me what trigger point release, like what's the premise behind it? And within our muscles, we have something called um, GTOs, Gol uh, Golgi tendon organs. And these are little receptors in the muscle and their whole job, and this is where we're, you know, we're talking about active release or, or you know, some of that reciprocal inhibition. Their whole job, these little receptors, is to identify pressure within the muscle. And then they, they let that muscle let go if they interpret pressure for too long. So, and, and so it's, it's kind of a safety mechanism of our body um, internally, but we can use that to release you know, tight spots in our muscles. So that's why I tell people, you, know, you hold maybe a minute or two with light pressure over a spot until it kind of lets go. And that's what trigger point release is. Um, so I will show them how to do that with either a ball or a foam roller, or again, I like that little um, uh, vibrating foam roller. I think that thing is awesome and, and feels pretty good. And there's some, a little bit of research with the tendons, but yeah. Is there any, um, any research behind the frequency at which it should vibrate? I, I know that there is a ton of different, you know, the vibrating foam rollers out on the market and they all have different frequencies. Um, and I've heard that, you know, it's, you know, this or higher, this frequency or higher. Is there any merit to that? I think that's still kind of under debate. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, fixate too much on that, you know, just for something for at home. I think a lot of the things that are out are, are, are good enough, but I wouldn't, um, I don't think there's enough research on the exact, you know, frequency that's the most beneficial if it is, you know, really beneficial, but yeah. Awesome. I can look back at that article and see exactly what that was for that. Um, it was just, but it was just one research article, but um, I think that, that femoral was pretty close to that instrument they used there. Okay. We've got a lot for the show notes. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what am I missing? Um, what have we not gone over that uh, we should talk about with mobility? Uh, the thoracic spine, um, okay. just specifically what to do with that. Because I would say if there's one thing that's even more chronic in our, in our, in our society or, or culture is thoracic or postural stiffness. Um, and with runners, especially because, and the reason that's important is because as we open up and push our leg behind us, we have to extend and rotate through our upper body to advance our upper, to advance our other swing legs. So, um, this is really an important concept, um, especially when you're looking at, you know, running on flats or downhill. Um, and also this is really good for like shoulder and neck issues. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I, we can attribute a large proportion of shoulder issues and head and neck issues because of the thoracic, um, stiffness that we have. Um, so I'm a huge fan of the peanut mobilization that's in, in Jay's book. Uh, I think he calls it the Travolta peanut. 
uh, where you just duct tape two tennis balls together. Um, I did a little Instagram where I did that with my daughter. I just, I got some, um, it's just, uh, some duct tape that looks like tie dye and, and, and duct tape two little tennis balls together and had her lay on it. And we're seeing this with the younger and younger populations with our kids. I mean, between phones and book bags and, and things like that. I mean, this is not an adult problem. Um, so, um, I, you know, lying on a foam roller at the very least, just lying on a foam roller from head to tailbone and then opening up your arms just to lie there and open up your pecs. Um, and then you can change the foam roller position to to go more perpendicular to your to your spine around that again that kind of um, between the shoulder blade area. Um, but that is that is huge. And again, we see this with our cyclists too. Um, so kind of opening up hip flexors and thoracic spine. I think not only for running, but for, for long-term health of, of our, of our system. Right on. And, and we keep referring to mm -hmm. Sherry, are we referring to his book running rewired? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sure. I want to make sure we got the right thing. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, we've probably referred to that book about a billion times. So if anybody's playing a drinking game. <laughs> yeah, and I hate to do that, but he has everything kind of like already kind of parceled off there. And I just like have people have like easy references and it, oh, totally. yeah, he oh, he's, cool he's, yeah, he's a great resource mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and his mobile board uh, is a great, another great resource for the big toe. Um, you know, and he's got all sorts of videos on there for, you know, mobilization and everything. So, um, you know, like, like I said, I'll put all this stuff in the show notes, but yeah, if you have not checked out Jada Sherry and his work, you should pick up his book, um, running rewired and check out moboboard.com. I, I, I have no affiliation. <laughs> I gain nothing by saying anything. <laughs> um, that's my disclaimer is just, he, he does, he does great stuff and he really does, you know, try to make us all the best runners we can be. So, um, anything else, Miriam, anything else you got? Yeah, I just love to boil things down to the simplest parts for people because I know it's a lot of information to throw at them. Um, but if you don't already do it, if you don't do any kind of warm-ups or stretches or you're just looking to start from scratch, um, the biggest thing is um, make sure, especially for the master's runners, make sure that you do a 10-minute brisk walk just to start to warm up. Again, this will increase the viscosity of some of the fluid within our tendons and soft tissues. Um, a dynamic warm-up before you run, there's good evidence behind that. And that is, that is moving your joints through different ranges in a controlled manner. Um, there's lots of different dynamic warmups up there. Um, I'm sure Aaron has some on his website. Um, I have a little YouTube video, um, but some kind of dynamic warmup is really helpful. So make sure you warm up in general and then do a dynamic warmup. Um, static stretching, if you use static stretching or yoga, I would do that after your run um, at the end of the day, preferably if you can, but I would do that after your run. Static stretching tends to diminish performance and that's why we, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of articles about that. So that's why we tend to not do long holds before we run. We want to do that either after our run or at the end of the day. Um, and then one of the most successful ways to have good joint mobility is strength training. And it doesn't have to be a big program, um, but we're talking about, you know, squats. And these can be squats um, just to horizontal where you don't have to go all the way to the ground with your hips. I mean, the squats, you can be a modified deadlift where you deadlift, you know, in partial range. Um, but these are really great. Moving joints with weight is a really great way to dynamically control them and actually preserve some mobility. So um, that is kind of the boil down parts. And if there was any injury I ever, I, I see the most of because of tightness during the year 
it is during the holidays, which I know are kind of around the bend. And this is when people um, do their run, they jump in the car, they, they drive, you know, 10 hours to their family, uh, especially for Thanksgiving, and then go do the turkey trot. And I, I swear, like right after Thanksgiving, I see, I see this huge bump in injuries because they're like, oh my gosh, I was just like this longest car ride. I mean, we I got out and I did the turkey trot and there's my whole, everything's blew up. And um, so uh, if you do have a long car trip ahead of you, um, please put some, some, some mobility work when you get, when you get there or when you get back or before you run, because I do see that a lot. Um, especially around the holidays. So, um, and I hope that was helpful. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, one final question on, um, it's often asked, uh, if we do do a static stretch post-run, how long should one hold it? So if there, if there, if you know you have a pretty tight muscle group, like, you know, like your hip flexors are, are kind of your Achilles heel or vice versa, um, three minutes, which seems like an eternity, but um, three minutes is ideally what we want, what we're seeing with soft tissue changes. And again, we're looking at that spectrum of zero being no stretch and five being an intense stretch. And we do not want to go more than a two. Um, so you want to feel a light stretch and hold it for approximately three minutes. Um, and you get, it's not every muscle group on some people, like for me, particularly hip flexors and thoracic spine, those are kind of my, my two. Um, I don't, I don't, um, feel like my calves are ever, you know, that tight or, or particularly my hamstrings, but, um, but my hip flexors and my thoracic spine. So I put a lot of work on the front end for that. Awesome. Fantastic. Wow. Miriam, I have a million things written down here. Um, <laughs> I took away a lot. I certainly hope everybody that listened did. Thank you once again for sharing all of your knowledge and for being such a wonderful person. Um, we sincerely appreciate you and that, you know, I can't wait for our next conversation. <laughs> appreciate you too, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Oh, you too. As I always do, I, I thank Miriam so much. Just as I said at the beginning of the podcast, she's a wealth of knowledge and I can't appreciate her enough for sharing that with us. Um, like I said, I always take away something and man, I had so many notes. Um, I'll try to put as much as I can in the show notes. I hope you guys took away a ton from that conversation and, uh, really again, thank you, Miriam, uh, onto the world of MR running pains, lots of stuff going on. My goodness. Um, my, uh, newsletter has come out. So the October newsletter is out. If you have not subscribed, please go over to mrrunningpains.com and you can subscribe there. Uh, if you go under the uh, Connect With Me page, all of my old newsletters are archived, so check those out there, uh, as well as the October newsletter. So if you haven't seen it, uh, you can find it there and check it out. Uh, it's jam-packed full of stuff since I missed uh, the newsletter in September. Uh, really put a lot into the October newsletter, so I hope you enjoy. If you have things you want me to talk about, review anything, suggestions, please uh, send me a note. You can also connect with me through the website, mrrunningpains.com, uh, as well as find all old archived episodes of this podcast are also housed on the website under the Connect With Me page as well. 
so far as coaching go, I've had a number of you reach out in the past week or so asking you about coaching. Uh, it's that time to start looking for a coach. So if you want to have a conversation, please do reach out. Um, I am accepting some new clients and, uh, just the conversation is simple. You know, uh, we can talk about what you do, what I do, make sure that, um, you know, our, our reasons for doing the training and racing are, uh, you know, in line and, you know, we want to be sync in, uh, in our thoughts and ideals. So, uh, we'll have that conversation. And, you know, if you feel like we're a good fit or if I feel like we're a good fit, um, we both feel like we're a good fit then uh then yes we can continue our conversation um so don't hesitate to reach out in that regard uh so far as my race went i ran the naturalist 50k um you know uh, this this side of things i realized that i was coming down with uh, a cold or illness or whatever the heck uh i've had i'm still feeling a little lethargic i am recording this on um, October, what is today? The 12th. Um, and I, I went for a run and still feel kind of, kind of crummy after the run. Um, so, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, whatever is in my system, it was really laboring my effort. I did not have a great race. I knew from step one that I was, I was not having a good day. Um, I was hoping things would change, but unfortunately they did not. But somehow, even through cramping and everything that transpired, I still managed to hang on uh, for second overall. Uh, first mail, I want to say congratulations, as I did in my newsletter and my um, you know, my social media post, to Amy Johnson, who uh, ran a tremendous race and won outright. Uh, she was fantastic. Uh, almost beat the previous women's course record by over a half hour. Tremendous run on her part. Um, yeah, it was it was it was incredible. She looked so strong. Um, yeah, where, whereas I was, I was failing. <laughs> it was uh, it was rough. I I was trying to problem solve, but I think um, obviously my problems went far beyond anything that uh, electrolytes or calories could have helped. Um, but, uh, not to, not to make an excuse. Uh, like I said, she ran a tremendous race. I was so happy to make it to the finish line. There was a time there where I did not think that was going to be possible. Um, it's, I'm going to be talking with my athletes about a great podcast that I just listened to. Um, Matt Fitzgerald, the author was on the strength and running podcast and he talked about, um, mental fortitude, mental strength, um, and having that kind of, um, ultra, you know, ability, ultra mindset, if you will, uh, to get through things. And, um, I think it's worth a podcast in its own right. So, uh, I'm going to have that conversation with my athletes and then see what I take away from it. And, um, you know, and then kind of spin it off into a podcast because I think there was a lot that he touched on. I took so many notes, short podcast, you know, it's a quick listen. So strength and running podcast, I will put that in the show notes. Um, let's see, I'm just going to make a a little quick note there um, to put that in the show notes because it was it was a uh, it was a great episode. <clears throat> a lot of things you can take away um, in how you should process and and kind of work your way through um, you know uh, not only negative emotions but uh, negative situations, problems that arise. So check that episode out. Um, I hope you pull a lot away from it because like like I said, I did and uh, got a lot of talked about. You know, I, I 
I found as they were talking, I was like, yeah, I did do that. You know, so I was, I was problem solving and trying to make my way through it, even though, you know, uh, like I said, it was kind of beyond, beyond my control. There were, you know, the factors I was trying to control the factors that I could, but, uh, I think there was a little bit more than, than I, than I could have, uh, could have handled. So, um, but uh, Outdoor 76 put on a great race. The Naturalist 50K and 25K, tremendous race, tremendous course. We ran on the Bartram Trail, uh, super fun. Got to see a bunch of old friends that I hadn't seen in a long time. Great to catch up with them. Awesome post-race pot- party, um, great people. So if you can in the future, check out The Naturalist. It's in Franklin, North Carolina, on the Bartram Trail. Beautiful, beautiful, all the way up to Wyabald. Um, fantastic views, uh, really lovely course, just, uh, you know, positive, positive things to say about it. So, um, but anyhow, um, next up for me, uh, is the, uh, Georgia sky to summit. Um, going to race, uh, Sean Blanton's Georgia sky to summit. I hear such good things about this course in this race. So I am looking forward to that. Um, the run bum himself was out at the naturalist. I did get to catch up with him. It was great to see him. I hadn't seen him in a while. Um, I know he's been through a lot. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, of negative, um, uh, you know, um, events and, uh, controversy over, over him and his race and everything. Um, Sean has always been a good person to me. Um, he's been, uh, you know, uh, so, um, I try to treat people with, uh, with the same amount of respect, no matter you know who they are or what they've done, um, yeah, I know that people harbor negative emotions towards them, um, and you know that's that's their choice. Um, I am choosing not to, um, because like I said, Sean has always been good to me, um, and you know I choose to support people that that support me and, and are always good to me. Um, I, you know I, I'm trying not to judge. So, um, but that said, um, yeah, I'll be going to Georgia Sky Summit. And then uh, the Headlands uh, 30K, uh, or Headwaters, Headwaters uh, 30K, which is, again, here in Western North Carolina. Uh, it is in Panthertown. Those of you that don't know this uh, this trail system or this race, check out Headwaters. It is a really cool place to run. Uh, very cool course. So scenic, so beautiful. Um, just, like I said, you know, if you haven't and you can, it's in December, check it out. Uh, well, well worth it. So. Um, other than that, um, you know, uh, the hellbender podcast is up and running, um, just released episode four with Brandon thrower. Um, so check that out. Uh, we talked all about the hellbender course. Um, it's on most major listening platforms. I am having troubles still with iTunes, uh, for whatever reason. So, um, anyhow, um, but hopefully that will be up on iTunes soon enough, but uh, hellbender podcast, check it out. Lots of good stuff on there. Um, constant information released twice a month, the first and third Saturday of each month. Registration for Hellbender will open on November 1st on Ultra Sign Up at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the Run 828 Foundation has made the announcement that they are going to have uh, a split 50-50 registration, so 75 males, 75 females. And uh, we're trying to raise that uh, that gender gap, get more gender equality in uh, in the race because traditionally we have not had many women in this race, so we're hoping to you know gain that. Now, uh, if either side does not fill by uh, early next year, we haven't decided on a date yet, but um, 
if they do not fill by early next year, we will pull from the wait list so that the race does fill. So um, if uh, if you see it filling up, jump on the wait list because uh, we will be we will be using the wait list um, as we have in the past. Uh, other than that, my goodness, uh, yeah, the Hellbender website, uh, we will be updating that. I am meeting with the uh, Run828 Foundation on October 12th to go over a number of items that I need answered. Uh, this is their race. I am directing, so it is ultimately their decisions um, about you know how the race is is run, um, you know what uh, what policies are in place. So um, I am just trying to make sure the logistics of the race and everything is in place so that the race goes smoothly. So uh, we will be updating the website and uh, and the ultra sign-up page with all of that information, um, as well as the participant guide. Uh, that does take time. Um, you know, most of the, the folks, uh, if not all of the folks that are working on these things are volunteers. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a labor of love. Uh, so, uh, you know, please be patient with that, but that is forthcoming. Uh, other than that, I hope everybody is doing great, um, enjoying the fall and, uh, and, you know, is getting through your, uh, your goal races. I know a lot is happening. So, um, hope everything's well and run on my friends.